1: Exactly 50 years ago, on Monday, October 26th, 1970, Father Paul gave his first lecture at Balamon Seminary in Lebanon, marking the beginning of his incredible academic career. This week, on Monday, October 26th, 2020, OCAB's press announced the publication of his latest book, Decoding Genesis 1-11, through Touching on themes from this book, in today's program, Father Paul explains that Psalms 7, 8, and 9 are meant to be heard together as a trilogy. Congratulations, Father Paul, on your career and the publication of this latest book. And as always, I am happy to introduce you on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays.
0: Another literary feature of Psalm 8, that it is conceived as an inclusio. It begins with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Thy Name in all the Earth. And it ends in verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Thy Name in all the Earth. So, very important that the hearer is bracketed between the double mention of this statement so that he would never fall in the trap to assume that the human beings are like God. And I can point here to another literary feature as to the difference between God and man. Again, literary to the ear, the sound In verse 3, speaks about the work of God's fingers. And in verse 6, we hear that the human being has dominion over the works, the same word Maaseh, of God's hands. Again, I'm not hearing this theologically, because I know a theologian, what's the difference between fingers and hands and so on and so forth. That's not my point. My point is that literature, good literature, uses always phraseology to impress the hearer as to the difference between God's handling of the matter and the human being's handling of the matter. Now, I spoke about the parallelism between Psalms 82 and 8 and in my upcoming book, I'm going to detail which is very hard to do on the podcast because one has to see the text Actually, in the book, which should be coming shortly, I have used the bold lettering to make sure that the reader of my book would see with the eyes. And I added also the original Hebrew as to the play in the actual text of Scripture. And namely, that Psalm 8 is to be read as one together with Psalm 7 and 9. So actually these three Psalms are meant to be heard together with Psalm 8 being at the center of this, let's call it, trilogy. I would like to point out on the the text that I have underscored, I don't want to read these three Psalms. My hearers will have the opportunity to read my book, it's very detailed. But just read verses that use the same terminology in all three Psalms. In 7-3 we hear, Oh Lord my God, if I have done this, If there is wrong in my hands, verse 5, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my soul, in the Hebrew, my glory, Kapod, in the dust. Verse 6, Arise, Huma, which is the same word heard twice in 82. O Lord, in Thy anger, Thou hast appointed a judgment. So we can hear both Genesis 1 and Psalm 82. Verse 7, Let the assembly of the peoples, be gathered about Thee and offer it. Take Thy seat on high. Clearly, Psalm 82. Verse 8 of Psalm 7. The Lord judges the peoples and me. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. So we hear this already, the parallelism between judging the peoples and judging here the man, the individual. In verse 11 of Psalm 7, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Verse 12, if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and strung his bow. Verse 13, he has prepared his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Okay, here we have the judgment of the human beings, that is cast in the same terminology as the judgment of the peoples and more specifically their gods in Psalm 82. And the last verse of Psalm 7 sounds thus, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, notice the righteousness of His judgment, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Notice this name of the Lord that is precisely the basis of the link between this Psalm and the following one, 8. So, Psalms 7 in verse 17 ends with a reference to the Name of the Lord, then Psalm 8 verse 1 begins with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Thy Name in all the Earth. And as I mentioned earlier, It is repeated at the end of this psalm. So Psalm 8 is clearly to the ear, an expansion on the last verse of the preceding Psalm 7. And in it, we hear about the work of thy fingers, the word glory, crowned with the glory, and the works of thy hands, when referring to the human being. Now, if we move to Psalm 9, that I'm inviting you to read together with Psalm 8 and 7. So, 8 is at the center of this trilogy of 7, 8, 9. We hear in verse 2, I would sing praise to thy name again. So, notice the connection between the three Psalms. And verse 4, for Thou hast maintained My Just Cause, Thou hast sat on the Throne giving Righteous Judgement. In verse 5, Thou hast rebuked the nations, Goyim, which parallels umim and Amin. Actually, in verse 8, we hear that God judges the peoples, that is Ummim. So we have the use of both words. And in verse 7, we hear, but the Lord sits in throne forever. He has established His throne for judgment, exactly as Psalm 82, He said to judge. And in verse 11, we have the third noun in Hebrew, that refers to the peoples or nations, which is amim. So in verse 5, we have Goyim. In verse 8, we have ummin. In verse 11, we have Amin. There is no way someone who knows the Psalms would not hear the reflection of what we have in Psalm 82. Or if is one hearing in tandem, when one gets to Psalm 82, one cannot but recall Psalms 7, 8, 9. And people's amim is repeated again in verse 11. And goyim, nations, is repeated in verse 15. And then in 16, we have he has executed judgment. Then in 17, we have all the nations goyim. And notice how this psalm ends very clearly reminiscent of 82, or 82 will remind us that we have heard this. Notice, we heard so many times Goyim, although this song ends a trilogy that concentrated on the individual human being in 7 and 8. And here we have an expansion, and this for an original hearer is very understandable, because the individual human being is Enosh or Adam or Ben-Adam, which is the human being and thus any human being. And the human beings are members of peoples, as we read very early in the Book of Genesis. In the last three verses of Psalm 9, we hear it is as though we are in Psalm 82. For the needy shall not always be forgotten and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. These are the people that are the reason for God judging the other gods who did not take care of this kind of people. For the needy shall not always be forgotten and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. And guess what? In 19, we have Arise, O Lord, Kuma, which is the same verb that opens Psalm 82. Let no man prevail, Enosh, let the nations be judged before thee. Notice here the full parallelism between Enosh, man, which is a parallel word for Adam, and nations. There is no differentiations between the two. And for those who know, the Bible will be hit with the fact that in Matthew 25, when the Son of Man, as the King, gathers all nations, he judges each individual. Fantastic. And in my book, by the way, I go over the New Testament, especially Matthew, via the book of Jonah, and I make the link between all these texts. So, I'm inviting you ahead of time to really read carefully my sequel to The Rise of Scripture, which is my upcoming book. And then verse 20 of Psalm 9, Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men, Enosh. Okay, I'm gonna repeat slowly verses 19 and 20, the conclusion of this trilogy of Psalms, that is a copycat of Psalm 82. Arise, O Lord, let no man, Enosh, prevail. Let the nations be judged before thee. Put them, the nations, in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men, Enosh, unmissable. Now, to get back to this interconnection between the three Psalms, The use of Enosh man in Psalm 8, 4, already way back, clearly prepares for the judgment of the same Enosh at the end of Psalm 9, where it is used in parallel with nations. We just read that. The last two verses of Psalm 9, which function as the closing statement of all three Psalms, are important for the following reasons. One, they are constructed as a chaos. We have Enosh, Goyim, Goyim, Enosh, and thus are undeniably intended to lump nations with every human being. Two, since the term Enosh is restricted to these verses, 19 and 20, and earlier, Psalm 8.4 that I just quoted, where Enosh parallels Ben-Adam, Son of Man. It is obvious that the intended is not only every human being, but also and more specifically the human being as Ruler and thus King. In, I took the word Ruler from Psalm 8 verse 6. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands, which is precisely the word that is used of the sun and the moon, rule. In other words, we have it already there. So you have the word to rule. And number three, arise, kuma, not only brackets the trilogy of these three Psalms, we hear it in seven, six, and 9.20, but is also found in the ending of Psalm 82. The conclusion is obvious that Psalms 7.8.9 function, as I said several times as a trilogy, that parallels in intention and scope Psalm 82. The judgment of all and each one of the all It's like the English idiomatic expression, one and all, it applies to everyone. Centres on the mistreatment of the needy. Instead of caring for the needy, the needy is mistreated. Which is the defining trait of God Let's hear Psalm 9 again, in verse 9, and verse 16 and 18. In 9 we hear, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, early on in verse 9. And then in 16 through 18, the Lord has made Himself known, He has executed judgment, The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall depart to Sheol. All the nations go in that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. It is just remarkably stunning according to me. So the Bible is really enmeshed completely. It's a literature that was produced, and I say this time again, in tandem by the same authors. There is not at one point, a other set of people clarified and added and so on. This is what the theologians like to say, because it prepares the way for their own theology. Suddenly, I, Tarazi, at the end of the 20th century, and actually only and very humbly notice the false modesty, continuing the work that started already with the priests in Mesopotamia, and then through the prophets, and then through the Apostle Paul, and then through the Fathers of the Church. And I come today really to put the cornerstone. You see, the theologians unwittingly behave as Jesus is described in Ephesians, being the cornerstone of God's building. And what is God building? It's scripture. So Psalm 8 is to be heard in the light of Genesis 1 through 11. And this is particularly confirmed in that the judgment of the nations and that of man, as I mentioned earlier, are factually one and the same